Hi, this is Andrea Borcha. And I'm Charles Wilchin. This is Far Stuff. The Internet of Things podcast. This week on Far Stuff, we get into the philosophical discussion of what happens when things can think, also known as... The Singularity. Ooh. So what is the singularity? The singularity is the point in time when artificial intelligence will have approached the point where things meet and then exceed human intelligence and potentially form a human-like but artificial consciousness. Interesting. So I think we uh, felt it was important to have a bit more of a fun and philosophical discussion on this point. We brought this up briefly in our first episode about how things are growing and becoming more sophisticated and smarter and more things are becoming connected and we're getting into this huge net of uh, connected things and naturally human core foundation is that we will instantly go to iRobot or Skynet or any other of our, you know, movie uh, versions where robots connect together and they're taking over the world and we have become their slaves and we're all going to die. There's a few signs that this might be happening. So think about it. Google bought the robotics company. That's true. They bought Nest. Did you know they bought this AI firm, DeepMind? Ooh, what's that? So DeepMind is um, an AI company that is, it's very secretive about what they're doing. Interesting. Uh, apparently they, they bought them for a, a very, very good chunk of money. There's about 50 employees. They've had around 50 million in funding. Uh, based in London, uh, founded by neuroscientist Demis Hassabis, a child chess prodigy renowned for his work in AI in the games industry. That sounds like the background of Skynet. It does. It does. I think there is a natural evolution here um, that people need to keep in mind. And there's definitely people on both sides of the the fence. Some some are absolutely convinced, especially when you when you talk to the actual company, not mm-hmm. movie, iRobot, that uh, invented the Roomba. Roomba, yes. Um, they are absolutely adamant that robots are a natural set of things that Mm -hmm. will always be a supportive factor and they see no concept and no uh, fathomable reason that they'd ever want to become sentient, claim their civil rights and take over the world. Wait, so they're saying that they don't think that their product will become sentient? They, They are actively thinking that it's ridiculous, the concepts of robots needing to become this humanoid thing that wants to replace us kind of like a single white female of technology. Yeah. They, they seem, they are absolutely adamant that that's not the purpose. And I, I, I get from a marketing standpoint why they feel that way sure. because in, mm. in their realm, if they did think of it more as the iRobot movie version, mm-hmm. uh, then we'd have to shut them down because they're trying to create things that will take over the world. I don't think they have the big picture. So here's the problem. Let's say that no one is building an artificially intelligent robot. That's fine. But people are building things that have sort of a human style intuition about what you want to serve you advertising, for example. Well, I and I almost feel like that's a requirement we're now expecting of things. We 
They could have built Siri to just be a very simplistic, straightforward um, back and forth, which yeah. is kind of more the way Google's Android works. If you actually turn on their guide, it, it's, it seems like it's very straightforward. Oh, I find there's way smarter. There, but there's no emotion. There's no, you know, playfulness. That's true. And Siri, on the other hand, they prioritize this playfulness. So if you, if you talk to your iPhone and you ask Siri, you know, where can I bury a dead body? Mm-hmm. She actually gives you seven options. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's still canned though. You it know? is canned. Um, but I think it's their first attempt and it's an interesting personality, personality and technology is right. something that Apple understands. And I think people actually really like that. Yeah. Intuitive and, and nature. There's a recent story where Apple's patenting uh, mood based ad targeting. So they're, they're really building devices that will sense not a not simplistic measures like humidity or movement, but things that synthesize a bunch of data that you know about the environment and the person to actually derive a mood from that. So mood-based ad targeting. So that means I've just broken up with my boyfriend and I'm sobbing to my girlfriend on the phone and I put down Siri and she says, by the way, there's a Haagen-Dazs down the street. Maybe. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, I, you know, and the thing is, I think people will like that. And now you can see why in the media, especially now with the the movie Her came out Mm -hmm. and uh, in a lot of other ways, it might make sense that you could fall in love with Siri and and create a relationship with this virtual thing that lives inside your phone. My question is, does it have Scarlett Johansson's voice? (laughs) I know I keep going back to this. Is that your only requirement? It's pretty much my only requirement. I, you know, it's funny because if you look at the existing things that are already out there, uh, you know, people fall in love with things all the time, things that are actually inanimate. They always have. So maybe it's not such a far stretch that you could create a meaningful relationship with something that actually provides more than just, you know, a giant stuffed teddy bear. Yeah. We form relationships, obviously, with books, with movies. I mean, who hasn't cried after the end of a commercial? Well... I don't know if after of a commercial, but... Well, not not every commercial, but Kate, you've seen something very touching online, like a minute. Yeah, so there's definitely a capability uh, to create sentiment and evoke emotion. And there are some people that are very good at doing that. And you can do it interactively. So if you've played the game Bioshock Ultimate, or if you plan to, at the end, you're probably going to be crying. Really? Unless you're like not human. (laughs) And that's a whole nother discussion. And so that, that is an experience that's programmed by someone. Right. The fact that it's not a robot is almost irrelevant. So for sure, there will be robots that will make us cry. So you take the emotion and the build that, that pulls from uh, a virtual experience mm-hmm. and you put it into a physical creature. Um, and in essence, you have um, a something that you can really connect with. Uh, They're doing that right now in Japan. They've created this white stuffed seal. So something that you think you'd pick up Mm -hmm. at uh, the local SeaWorld and it's called Pero. And this thing actually, they've been pulling it out to hospices and uh, people love it. It it, it even met uh, President Obama. Uh, They Uh have it on their website. (laughs) Did it make him cry? Aww. Um, so Pero has been found to reduce patient stress uh-huh. and the stress of their caregivers. It stimulates interaction between the patients and the caregivers. 
It has been shown to have a psychological effect on patients improving their relaxation and motivation. It improves the socialization of patients with each other and caregivers because they're feeling better. Mm -hmm. So it's really the world's most therapeutic robot certified by the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, well, then you know it's quality. Well, when you've built something solely to be a therapeutic Mm -hmm. uh, element, at what point does it no longer become a therapeutic thing uh, like a, a safety blanket mm-hmm. or a security blanket. And at what point does it actually become something that you feel deserves the rights that you have? Yeah, no, that's a good question. When should that happen? So what's, what's going to happen? Are one of these things like going to ask for rights at some point? So there's a, there's another movie that I liked, uh, called Frank and robot. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was an absolutely adorable movie, and I, I loved it. Uh-huh. The robot doesn't actually ask for sentience, but you basically the story is there's there's an older man, mm-hmm. and uh, he's living by himself, and we're at the time in the future where you can buy a robot to help take care of your elderly parent, which we're already sort of getting into because we're already getting into home monitoring. Absolutely. And, and so it's not that far-fetched. And the robot, he's obviously against the robot. He's against this type of technology, mm-hmm. but the robot becomes an endearing partner for him and mm-hmm. actually ends up becoming his best friend. I mean, he forms this relationship with right. this thing and he defends it. They they want to arrest the robot um, at one point in the movie for committing a crime. And that alone mm. is, can, can you arrest a robot? Right. Can you hold it responsible for its decisions? Is it right then, um, if you're holding this robot responsible for its decisions, what happens if you erase it? Are you then killing it? Well, right. I mean, if the assumption is that if you're arresting it, it was done of its own... Volition. Yes. And so that, I think, might be one of the requirements. Well, the funny thing is, robots have killed people already. Have they? Yeah, I mean, in industrial accidents. That's true. Or there's been uh, people who have used x-ray machines, which are robots. They have moving parts, and they do things, and they've they've radically overdosed them. And so machines have, although not directly in the sense that they were conscious, they have resulted in people's deaths already. So maybe this uh, consciousness is is the key point there. Well, so my theory... If you want to hear it. I'd love to hear your theory. I think there are going to be two independent developments. Okay. So the robots will move along, and I think the trajectory will be very predictable. Like the iRobot folks think, I think they'll mostly be task-oriented. Lawnmowers, uh, vacuum cleaners, washing machines. Sure. So they'll become more and more capable, though. Right. They'll become more and more connected. Absolutely. They'll be able to um, possibly even make more of their own. To reproduce. You might call it that. Yeah. Now, similarly, I think there are going to be services that are created that are very, very good at interacting with humans in order to do things like sell them advertising and detect moods. And these services may run on a phone. They may run on the Internet or both. But what happens (laughs) when one of these services becomes self-aware It doesn't necessarily have a body. Right. But hackers can take over routers. That's true. Hackers can take over cars. But along those same lines, if if the robot becomes Mm self-aware and there is a a fear that it can be hacked, Mm -hmm. I almost feel like humans are in the same boat, right? Manson basically hacked how many people in the desert to go do something that they absolutely would have been morally opposed to. Oh, sure. Years before. Absolutely. So 
that's where it gets really interesting because humans, I would argue, are 100% hackable. How influenceable are we really? Um, how is that any different than, uh, than a robot being influenceable? Maybe once they're fallible in that respect, that, that is actually an aspect of them being human. I think the difference is that uh, humans are um, strongly influenceable, but once this artificially conscious entity becomes a thing and can actually take over things that have arms and legs and maybe weapons, then this moment happens where two things come together that we did not necessarily expect to come together. And that's when it happens. So that's when you're talking about like a Skynet uh, controlling our nuclear warheads and, and that's holding the, us all hostage. That's when the technological singularity becomes real. Interesting. That's my theory. That seems uh, very much focused on the desire of these th things to mm -hmm. want to be destructive. There's nothing to say that they don't just want to oh, love and have oh, a relationship. In, in fact, I'm not saying that they might use the guns to kill people. They might just use them to enforce a peace-loving society. Interesting. <laughs> so, 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 and to be fair, humans also have the capability of being a dictator and right, enforce the, their own vision of this entity may be the a benevolent dictator that we actually come to love. <laughs> So before we have uh, the, to the dictator state, maybe sure. we should take this in smaller chunks. I'd love to. And uh, how about a more society of equality where uh, just as uh, right now we have different people fighting for their civil rights and we've had civil rights battles for the last, uh, you know, century or so. Mm -hmm. um, we do have, uh, we could in essence, have these things when they first become self-aware between first becoming self-aware and, you know, taking over the world. Sure. There's a natural evolution where they want to be treated as equal members of society. I see. So in this scenario, we're, we're assuming that there's, um, they're more individuals. Yeah, they could be. Or so I think Siri might be a decent starting point uh -huh. for some of these um, because in essence, everyone gets the same Siri program in their right. phones, but in the eventual evolution of Siri, where it learns based on who you are uh -huh. and evolves and they've taught it to learn on its own and become its own individual thing. Mm -hmm. uh, my Siri and your Siri could be two individuals. Sure. So it's like data and data's brother. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Same technology. Yep. But, but different environments. Right. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. And um, the whole thing. Battlestar Galactica did that as well, where they only have seven different models right. of uh, Cylons as their version of the robots. Right. But some were actually good. Well, they had one version. Um, I actually don't remember her name, but it was the, um, the Asian woman. Mm -hmm. And she got separated. Two versions of her ended up in two completely right. different worlds. And even though they come from the same core and mm -hmm. they're same, they're essentially birthed from the same place right. because of their different experiences, they actually had two completely different moral codes. Right. So in that essence, isn't it the same thing as two twins being born separated at birth and developing in their own way? Right. So we could have a scenario where if they do gain consciousness right. and they decide that they want sort of an independent will to live and to have rights, some of them might try to do it through more traditional political means peacefully. It's and a thought. some might not. Right. 
And that I think in itself is the concept of free will. That would probably be a requirement to even have the discussion at all if mm -hmm. they have civil rights. Right. So there's, there's a lot of aspects coming out of this. I want to see that movie. Which movie? I want to see the movie where these robots are around. They become self-aware. Right. They have an artificial consciousness. They want their own rights. They create their own civil rights movement. Some people, some of them decide to like do it the way the humans would do it. Right. That underserved, you know, segments of the population well, might do it. Well, to be fair, the humans do it both ways. Right. Right. Exactly. Some of them might decide to take up arms and some of the others might decide to uh, take up arms against the yeah. ones that would take up arms. So it's actually uh, what you're suggesting is kind of like a robot version of X-Men. Because they have, they right. separate it out. You have, uh, you know, the doctor that wants to do the peaceful route and slowly right. get people comfortable with mutants and get people to accept them as part of society. Exactly. And then you've got the other side that says they will never understand us. They will right. always be cruel to us because they feel like they're superior or they're scared of us, which is actually right in line oh my with, God. with smart things and robots and, uh, and so we're just going to have to violently take over. Right. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica is all about that civil war. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like they're a good series that kind of tackles that a bit. Um, the other one I liked for, for Trekkies out there is uh, the doctor on Star Trek Voyager, although he's technically not a robot it's arguable if he's a thing because he's a hologram, but he does compute. Oh yeah, no, I, connect I think and communicate. So the fact that he's a hologram versus a, a physical robot, I almost think is irrelevant. Okay, you know, I it's, it's he's uh, self aware, he's conscious. Yeah, he had some really good storylines in Star Trek Voyager where they they kind of battled this out. One of my favorite that I remember the most is at some point he wrote a book towards the later part of the show. Mm -hmm. And he sent it to a publisher and it was a very, very thinly veiled criticism of the crew he was actively working with. Mm -hmm. And uh, the publisher, he, he wrote back to the publisher and said, wait, wait, let me change it. Let me make it less thinly veiled. And uh, the publisher said, I have the right to publish it. You are a hologram. You have no rights. You can't tell me not to. Um, so... So it actually became this huge debate as to if something is capable of creating its own creative output, mm -hmm. is it then also worthy of the rights to it? Data had the same kind of thing where I think he had to come up with an original uh, composition for violin. Oh, nice. And yeah, there was always that kind of uh, overtone of, of whether he has rights. And I'm sure Picard had to kind of defend him in that respect on at least one occasion. Well, Data's interesting too, because at the beginning he was very robotic and very set in the way he was. Uh -huh. And then they they started giving him dreams and that seemed to be a big component of being human. Right. In the movie, he got captured by the Borg and she was trying to make him more human. She gave him flesh so he could feel pleasure and pain. And that made him more human. So it, it definitely wears so the So she just upgraded line. his IO is what you're, what you're telling me. Well, well, I don't know if his IO. Yeah. Well, yeah. his exterior. His input-output yeah, mechanisms. His, his, uh, his sensory. Um, so, so that's the other thing is if we're the ones creating these things mm -hmm. um, and eventually they can 
create themselves probably in much faster numbers than we can, is that then mean that they should never be considered as their own significant part of society because we, in essence, invented them? Yeah, I don't I don't think it matters. I mean, we sort of make copies of ourselves now anyway. We do. And it's kind of a given that they that they're independent beings from birth. So maybe they need a lot of help at the start. That's true. I've heard that. Um, Human, you know, yeah. robots would be less messy. <laughs> one would hope. Maybe not. Maybe they still make a huge grease mess in the garage every time they want to create a new one. Um, maybe that's the question, though, is a human reproduction is kind of a random conglomeration of DNA. At least it seems that way mm-hmm. at this point until we learn more. But if a thing was to reproduce itself, wouldn't it be an identical copy then? It would be more of like a cloning question. Sure. I don't know if that then makes us more uncomfortable with treating them like a, an equal member of society. Well, I, I think it I think it would. I mean, if they were all literally the same and had the same, you know, motivations and the, and the same concerns, I don't I don't know, fears potentially. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a lot freakier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think it, it's almost, I think that... I mean, the, the more they are, the other, <laughs> you know? It's true. The, the more we can relate to something, mm-hmm. I think the more we're willing to accept them in society. And you actually see this through civil rights movements and and advertising campaigns. As people... So you see this right now with gay rights. Mm-hmm. As the media and Hollywood starting adding more homosexuals to TV shows, to movies, getting the public more comfortable Mm -hmm. and finding a way that we can relate to each other on a core level, um, then gay marriage starts becoming more acceptable because then uh, people that were against it in the beginning can now relate and say, oh, you're like me. So it's probably along the same lines of the robots. If they look like us, act like us, and are as fallible as we are, we're then maybe willing to accept them as an equal part of society. I mean, that even you can even take that to women's rights too. Uh, Apparently movies on average use women for like 20% of crowd scenes instead of 50. And so there's this bizarre thing where you think they're not there. And there's this odd representation problem in Hollywood. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that extends to it. I think it's even more insidious than you think. Yeah. So we, uh, so, but Hollywood right now seems to be more, at least the movies seem to be more dictating that sentient robots are something to, to fear the reason that uh, Will Smith hated the robot and I robot mm-hmm. is because there was a family drowning in a lake right. um, with two kids and young kids and he was drowning as well. And the robot jumped out to save him. Right. Because the odds were better that he would live, that he would live over the child. And that's, that was a, a moral distinction, right. but at that mind, anathema to him, but for the robot, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, but in my mind, if it really the right choice would have been to save the little girl, then he just needed an upgrade in his programming. Sure, because at the end of the day, isn't that all that morality and ethics are? Just a, a set of programs and decision switches that you go through to decide whether or not something's good or bad. I think so. Yeah, I think I think just because the morality didn't match was not enough of a reason for Will Smith to be so mean. No, he was very mean. The robot was very very nice. Yeah, no, I like I like more the TV uh, kind of robots. The Star Trek I think does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, as the Doctor evolved, uh, at first he was very much uh, he he was a tool for a purpose, and that was his entire point. 
Uh, And the episode that changed that all is when he was forced to be on all the time and with no purpose. And that's when he started challenging uh, or trying to figure out, well, what am I supposed to do? Because there's no one to take care of. I'm a doctor. There's no one to fix right now, but I'm supposed to fix people. So what am I supposed to do now that I have time on my hands? And that's when you start having this self-realization and thinking through things. Right. That's interesting. I mean, CPUs are getting so fast that they're doing nothing, you know, almost nothing all of the time. Yeah. Maybe. What happens when they can use that power for something? I almost feel like that's how they're starting to build Watson a bit, because it seems like, well, if you've got nothing to do, go out and learn. That's your purpose. You're supposed to go out and crawl the Internet and learn about whatever you can learn. They made it very specific now that he's working for the medical field. So go right. out and learn more about the medical journals. But in essence, couldn't you take that same skill and you've got essentially the perfect thing. If every time it has nothing to do, it doesn't laze around the house and watch TV like we do. Right. It, it'll go out and learn a new skill, right. learn something more poignant. Well, and- the thing that strikes me about Watson being in medicine. Yes. So let's say he becomes the perfect doctor. Okay. So good, in fact, that we don't need doctors. Right. That problem of him being such a specialist is that he also becomes the most effective killer. Ooh. (laughs) How is he the most effective killer? Well, because he knows exactly how to heal people. Right. And so the data set and the analysis that he can do. So his motivation, if his motivation. No, his motivation is pure. Okay. So far. Right. Because he's not sentient. And that's. Until we turn his motivation the wrong way. Or until something else that is sentient gets a hold of his programming and his data. Oh, interesting. So at that point, should we then be building our internet of things where things can be capped at their skill level. So if at some point we, oh, that's an interesting thought. we build something that is smarter, faster, oh, better, $6 million man right. of, uh, can, can, do we sure. build in the safeguards that says, nope, you are actually not allowed to be smarter than us because we're not okay with that. Yeah, no, I think you have to. Wow. That's, that's a great thought. I See, hadn't I would, considered it. I would think completely the other way. Oh, but, I, if we but, could build something that's smarter, I would love that. To go fix all our problems for us. Yeah, but we put we put um, limits on how f- fast cars can go. That's true. because And they're not even conscious. I wonder if we'd have those limits on those cars if we weren't the ones driving them. Oh, it's so scary. Because if, if they drove themselves and they were efficient... There's nothing to stop them from going 200 miles an hour. Beca- that's, that's true. And that would yeah. be the best way. The only reason we have to cap them is because we're really good at killing ourselves using cars. <laughs> yeah. And our reaction speed is sort of fixed. Which is prob- probably the same uh, along the same lines with Watson, right? Yeah. We don't want uh, machines to replace our doctors because at the end of the day, we, we're really good at killing ourselves. Yeah. And and uh, we don't want to make uh, we don't want to entirely rely on a robot to uh, to handle that. That being said, if they put some really good bedside manner into Watson, <laughs> you know, it's going right. So actually, that actually brings up a, another good one. How will this work when we have robots that can do your job better than you can? Right. We've already seen that evolution where the people were threatened by uh, cheaper international labor, offshore labor taking over their jobs. Now we just have robots that we can mass produce that can do your job 24 hours a day. Doesn't need any sleep. Doesn't need to do anything. Takes a 15 minute break maybe to confirm the data and and recheck its security. Yeah. I think it's an extension of what we've already seen, which is um, people don't like that. 
I mean, they don't they don't like it when a factory automates and six hundred really? people lose their jobs. Yeah, I mean, but then those six hundred people then go do something else. I yeah, mean, that's it's, the it's theory. A pure evolution. The theory is right? that the work days will get shorter. We'll have more uh, free time. Free time because we're so good at using the free time we have now. Yeah, and and that people will you know move into more creative jobs. But I I don't necessarily think that's a given. Yeah, it's. Uh, It'll but be threatening. It'll be very threatening. To it people. would be. But that being said, maybe right now, because all our jobs, all, the majority of jobs now require you to be sedentary, which is not mm-hmm. healthy for us. If we did get more robots to do our jobs for us and we all moved into some sort of a management position, we had more time. Maybe we could work out more. <laughs> We're all managers. And we wouldn't be. Congratulations. That lazy. Yes. It's an interesting evolution. Of, so yeah, the day that that happens. Yes. They're going to ask for a raise. The robots. Yeah. Then what? They don't get paid to begin with. We buy them their things. Oh, no, but they know. Oh, the like second they, they become they, sentient. They organize. Right. Oh, they'll have labor parties. It'll be a robot labor party. Right. And and they'll pick it. And they'll serve oil. I don't know. It's interesting. I almost feel like we're starting to build a Pixar movie. It, it could very easily become that. Do you think that there will be uh, limits to what we create? Or do you think there will always be someone that's going to be pushing the limits? So it doesn't matter that 10 people limited themselves because there's always that one. No, I think we will try to put limits on them. But then what happens when those limits, I mean, because their limits are created by humans, they're, they're fallible. They are. That's true. And I think there's another angle to it where uh, along the lines of Pero that we brought up and, uh, you know, Furbies and uh, that Sony dog. The Ibo. The Ibo. Uh, there's, um, there is uh, maybe... Uh, positive market force for wanting these things to become more sentient because I'm lonely and I'd like a best friend and it might as well be a robot. My kids love their Furbies. Yeah. I know that you're not a fan. Not a fan. I think they're creepy. I haven't seen the new ones to be fair, but uh, the old one was incredibly creepy. Well, then you're not going to love sentient Furbies. Well, just because Furbies, yeah, I don't know. Furbies have the have the wrong attitude. I liked the the peril and uh, and the Furbies series, have the wrong they have attitude. The wrong attitude. If I'm gonna pay for something uh-huh. to be my pet or my friend, then it doesn't need to have uh, the negative emotions, the judgment, the frustrations. The no, but if you're needs. paying something to be your friend or your pet, yes, they're not really your friend. But people, I but I don't know that people know that distinction. How can you else can you explain the crazy amount of virtual dating and and porn websites out there? This virtual mm-hmm. love thing, right? I mean, they've been the porn industry. It tends to push all our industries to the limit. They were the first ones to really get down web video really right. well because right. they needed it. Now they're the now they're really pushing to get down this artificial intelligence, yeah. this virtual. Uh, and you know about the virtual girl. pop stars, right? Virtual pop stars in Japan. No, but I there was a movie Simone that was like that too. Yeah, no, they're they're created wholesale. Nice by men. Mm-hmm. Their voice is computer generated. They're they're singing. And Do it's they sound good as computer generated voices? Perfect. No. Beautiful. Wow. We don't even need Britney Spears anymore. No. Wow. We don't. I'm sorry. She's she's way too meat space yep, for us. Now. That's right. Meat space. I like that. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, these are pop stars, full fledged that get the same reaction when they 
play in concert. No. On stages. How do they play on stage? Are holograms. They... Oh my gosh. People go crazy. Wow. They're having a shared experience just as powerful as if it were the Beatles. That's but incredible. It is. They are not real. Wow. So that's happening. See, that's something different. That's something crazy. I mean, it's But one you thing... combine that. If that were a robot. Yeah. What's the difference? Everyone could have their own pop star. They take home, have a private in-home <laughs> concert. Now that would be great. Yep. Everyone could have their own robot Britney Spears to take home. Does she then lose her value? Probably. Well, I think that you wouldn't want a used one <laughs> is all I'm saying. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Um, that's really interesting. So, so I, I feel like that just takes us to uh, Japan will be the place where we will first have this ancient robots asking for rights and trying to take over the world yeah. or becoming our best friends. Or both. Or both. It's like, I'll be your friend, but you need to like do whatever I say. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this whole and then, pet thing. Isn't that, right. Doesn't that turn us into pets it for does, them? It does. Maybe. But uh, I don't think we're that far off from having a really smart virtual or physical robot pet. Oh, that's what you that, mean. That yeah. will be replaced, uh, replace our, our dogness. No, I think it's that's happening. Tough. You know, the Furby, the Furby, I think, to my kids... I think they're as real as the dogs. Wow, really? That's incredible. I mean, the dogs are not necessarily going out of their way to... Challenge the Furby. And Furbies never die. Furbies never die. No matter what you try, Furbies never die. That's true. A new set of AA batteries and there they are. And and your pop star never has to go away. She can always be 18 and and perfect. Right. She can wear knee highs until the end of time. Wow. That's... Something else entirely, uh-huh. but that also maybe maybe we will have limits because you, you you don't really see limits when we're replacing factory worker jobs, but when you're replacing hundred million dollar a year jobs with a virtual, uh, you know, then you know Brittany might be out there picketing saying, "Don't let the those robots take my job." <laughs> robots, no, don't robots taking my job. So thanks for uh, joining us on this philosophical journey through the concept of sentient robots and the internet of things and how these things will evolve to be smarter, better relatable, and uh, better able at selling us stuff. Commander, is your contention that Lieutenant Commander Data is not a sentient being and therefore not entitled to all the rights reserved for all life forms within this Federation? Data is not sentient, no. Commander, would you enlighten us? What is required for sentience? Intelligence, self-awareness, consciousness. Prove to the court that I am sentient. This is absurd. We all know you're sentient. So I am sentient, but Commander Data is not. That's right. Uh Why? Why am I sentient? Well, you are self-aware. Ah, that's the second of your criteria. Let's deal with the first... Intelligence. Is Commander Data intelligent? Yes. It has the ability to learn and understand and to cope with new situations. Like this hearing? Yes. What about self-awareness? What does that mean? Why why am I self-aware? Because you are conscious of your existence and actions. You are aware of yourself and your own ego. Commander Data, what are you doing now? I'm taking part in a legal hearing to determine my rights and status. 
Am I a person or property? And what's at stake? My right to choose. Perhaps my very life. My rights. My status, my right to choose. My life. Well, it seems reasonably self-aware to me, Commander. I'm waiting. This is exceedingly difficult. Do you like Commander Data? I... I don't know it well enough to like or dislike it. But you admire him. Oh, yes. It is an extraordinary piece of engineering and programming. Yes, you have said that. Commander, you have devoted your life to the study of cybernetics in general. Yes. And Commander Data in particular. Yes. And now you propose to dismantle him. So that I can learn from it and construct more. How many more? As many as are needed. Uh, hundreds, thousands if necessary. Uh, there is no limit. Single data, and forgive me, Commander, is a curiosity. A wonder even, but thousands of datas. Isn't that becoming a race? And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is data? I don't understand. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for sentience, so what if he meets a third? Consciousness, in even the smallest degree. What is he then? I don't know. Do you? Do you? Do you? Well, that's the question you have to answer. This has been fun for us. I hope it's been fun for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast. You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form at farstuff.com or email us at podcast at farstuff.com. And this brings us to the end of our thing. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. What's going on? There's a Star Trek wiki that actually has like an entire character history. Oh my god, of course. This is when he was born. This is his childhood memories. Have you never written fan fiction? No. This is just nerding and having fun and let's nerd this thing. But I don't know what to call this podcast. Oh, I don't, I don't know either. So when it says, don't have to do it in the this recording. week on Far Stuff. What happens when things can think? Okay. Oh, look at you being smart. I know.